Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all you non-members out there, sign up for our free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the Apple Store and Google Play. It's benefit season. We all know providing benefits is a cornerstone of employee retention. But many small businesses are priced out or completely disqualified from providing health coverage to their employees. Not any longer. Now, PCA members can get health coverage and they can even tailor options to meet their company's needs. To learn more about all the benefits PCA has to offer and to become a member, go to PCAPaintEd.org. In today's podcast, we feature an episode from Ask a Painter Live with Nick Slavic. Uh, I am Nick Slavic. I am the proprietor of the Nick Slavic Painting and Restoration Company. This is our 15th anniversary this year. Uh, I am also the host of this show, Ask a Painter Live. So this show is a, a live show weekly on social media, basically depicting the life of a master craftsperson and trades business entrepreneur, uh, for those of you who haven't watched before. So um, I've been going live for 342 consecutive weeks. I think that puts us over six and a half years now. And basically, this is sort of like ask me anything. Um, you guys can ask about painting, you can ask about the trades business, the life of a trades business entrepreneur, master craftsperson, things like that. Uh, tonight is an open show. Any questions you guys want to ask about, uh, any project, any coding, any part of the business, anything at all, uh, just post them in all the comments and we will uh, we will get to that. Uh, I'm just making sure all my things are going here. We have three feeds going. We are on TikTok, we are on Instagram, and we are on Facebook. So um, yeah, we are just trying to, I'm just working through all these things. We have them all connected. Um, if somehow audio or video is not great on your end, let me know and we will we will work to fix that here. So uh, typically how this show works, uh, for those of you who've not watched before, I got uh, I got a pretty awesome dedicated following on Facebook here. Uh, same thing about on um, uh, on Instagram, but uh, TikTok's a relatively new thing here. So um, yeah, uh, basically uh, we ask any questions you guys want. I'll give you some updates right away. I'll give you some house cleaning, uh, housekeeping stuff, and then we'll get going here. So Onyx Painting <laughs> uh, from Instagram. When are you guys coming to British Columbia? Uh, so here's how here's how it goes. Um, Canada is one of my favorite places. British Columbia, that whole area, U.S. Canada, is one of my favorite places ever. So here's how it goes. If you guys talk to one of your Sherwin Williams reps, Benjamin Moore reps, if you talk to the PCA, the Painting Contractors Association, or if you contact me personally and say. I would like Nick in my area. Uh, I do a series of master's classes where I sort of take like, you know, best practices from coding science and trades business entrepreneurship. And I come there and we have an open and after sort of like a uh, uh, learning session. It can be half day, it can be all day. Uh, you you do any one of those things and we will get a hold of you guys and we will take care of that. So um, yeah. Uh, Bonoichi to my friends. Uh, we got Brazilians watching on TikTok tonight too. Uh, this is awesome. So, all right, everybody, again, um, I am going to go some. I'm go over some uh, current happenings of the business here, um, some things that have been going on in my life, and then uh, as I see questions come in, we'll just uh, yeah, we'll just knock them down. I'm just gonna make sure we're testing out a new, we're testing out a new format here. I'm just making sure that I can see everybody, that I can see the comments coming through here. Give me just a second here, everybody. 
Do, 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 do. Oh, Phil Klein, thanks for sharing the stream. I do appreciate that. Good friend, Phil Klein. All right, let's see if we can make sure we're seeing some comments here. All right. Sorry, guys, just making sure. Uh, I don't often uh, triple broadcast here. Uh, <laughs> oh, Brad Ellison on Instagram. How's it going, man? Uh, highly recommend bringing Nick in town for a master's class. So uh, my last master's class of the year uh, is actually was actually with uh, my good friend Brad over in, uh, in the Michigan area, uh, Troy, one of the suburbs. So uh, it was an awesome time. Uh, it concluded my Midwest tour. So one of the things that has been really ramping up over the years is... Um, uh, is these master's classes. So master's classes are a thing that I started a bunch of years ago where I was basically just taking like the things that were top of mind to my business, things that were top of mind about coding science and trades business entrepreneurship, putting them in like bite-sized action statement-y things from a person who is in the trenches with you, doing this right now, figuring this out as we go. And uh, it's been great. It's been a great knowledge share. So it's basically like an inside look into a business, uh, a trades business, uh, and one that is rapidly growing. And it's a really cool knowledge exchange. It brings up a lot of questions, a lot of great conversations, and I've been having a great time doing it. Um, yeah, I think uh, the, the short history of my business, uh, for those of you who have not seen on, uh, on the TikTok and things like that, uh, basically this year is the 15th year anniversary of this. I've been in the trades for 30 years, give or take. My, uh, I got started in a family business when I was very, very young. Uh, and then I left my own family business to do this because the core values did not align as well as I would like them to. So, um, all right, let's see here. All right, we're seeing some questions come through. All right, just making sure I'm getting to everybody here. All right, here we go. Good. Uh, I'm seeing the live stream of questions everywhere we go. Uh, man, there's painters saying hi to each other on Instagram. This is great. Uh, oh, Mr. Andrade. Buenoichi, my friend, down in Brazil. Uh, Raven Painting, how's it going, man? Manitou Painting. All right, guys. So um, what's, what's been really interesting over the years is um, basically in the last six years, we've gone from about zero to about 40 people. Uh, we've built a leadership team. We have a facility where we do training. Uh, we have a training facility. We have a crazy apprenticeship program, a rip and comp plan, benefits, all that other stuff. And uh, yeah, we've basically been, uh, been getting out there. Um, yeah, just doing it. So um, the last, this year, I'm done with my master's classes for this year. Uh, this week we are going to be doing a normal week of work except for Thursday. We're doing a, uh, a donation project with, as far as I can tell, like eight different painting companies in Minnesota here. We're gonna donate one, um, we're gonna donate um, one uh, entire day from all of our businesses to a local charity. And uh, that's gonna be an absolutely fun one here. Um, uh, Merry Christmas, uh, uh, Pontiac Jack. How's it going on in, on uh, TikTok there? Um, Reimagine home improvements, 330 uh, from Instagram. What would be the best way to go about learning cabinet painting? I've painted a large variety of other surfaces, but have not uh, personally done cabinets. Oh my God. So here's the deal. Starting at the first of the year, I actually have a series of shows uh, in Ask a Painter called Mastering the Basics. And one of the first ones that we do is SOP, Standard Operating Procedures. And I always do a trim and cabinet in-depth show. It's about an hour, hour and a half long where I actually take you through my entire process step by step. I show you each line of my standard operating procedure. We show you techniques, we show you coatings and everything else. It's an amazing show every year. I always get a lot of good feedback and I show you exactly how my company does it. Now, uh, reimagine home improvements from Instagram. If you want uh, some information between now and then, you can always email me nick 
at nickslavic.com or get a hold of me through any of these social media avenues. And I will actually send you my SOP, my standard operating procedure, where I basically tell you exactly uh, the way I do it. And I'm happy to discuss it with you too. So um, I would never look anybody in the face and say, my way is the only way. Here's what I do. We go out there and we promise a very distinct thing to our clients and we break ourselves to follow through with that promise. Now our promise is very specific. Uh, it's, it's a coding and a coding process where we can guarantee the results every time. We haven't had a failure in 15 years. Lots of people do it different ways, but I will say this is one of the most foolproof, easy, straightforward, error-proof ways of doing it. And uh, absolutely, uh, reimagine, I will send you those too. So, um, oh, Matt McHugh, how's it going, man? Best tech combo after referrals, most effective means of marketing. Best tech combo. I'd like to hear more about tech combo. I wonder if you're uh, talking about software, apps, uh, physical technology, computers, tablets, things like that. Uh, you let me know after that. But uh, after referrals, the most effective means of marketing. Okay. All right, here's the deal. All right, Matt, uh, good friend of the industry, Matt here, uh, McHugh from up north in Canada. All right, so here's how it's tracked in my company. Uh, I ran off of word of mouth referral and repeat for about uh, five painters, half a million dollars, give or take, and then all of a sudden I had to get out there and find other work. Now, this depends, this graph of I'm running on word of mouth repeat referral, and then all of a sudden you need to get more uh, from paying for marketing, that depends on how aggressively you grow. The more aggressively you grow, the faster or the sooner you're gonna have to pay for leads or get out there and, and find a marketing way. If I would have taken this much slower, we certainly wouldn't have needed them as soon. Here's the deal, I've done all these tightly controlled experiments over the years, and uh, what I found is that Facebook and Instagram, you can definitely make leads come in, but they are very not serious leads. And this doesn't mean they're bad people, it just means that they're not as serious as clients I find other ways. So you definitely wanna have a good organic presence, so website is up to speed, social media is current and, and posting almost daily. Um, you want constant traffic on there, you want lots of reviews, consistent reviews, that'll help you in the Google rankings. Um, I do a consistent maybe $750 to $1,000 a month in Google AdWords just to make sure I'm covering my bases. It, it almost feels like it's not out there aggressively gathering leads. It's almost like pay to play, and I don't feel great about this. It almost feels like if I don't do that, I'm gonna actually lose kind of in the rankings. So what I do is just get, I, I kind of talk with my web guy, and I basically say, what's the least amount of AdWords I can do that'll keep me up there and relevant? In the past, the problem is I've shoveled money into AdWords and it hasn't always had a great return. Like sometimes it's very expensive. And then because you can't see behind the curtain, you can't actually see where your stuff is going, you basically have to put your full faith in the algorithm of Google and say, well, six months to a year, if you keep shoveling cash in there, it'll be just great. And honestly, I can't wait six months to a year and I can't go on faith. I need proof as a, as a trades business entrepreneur. So. Um, Matt, after word of mouth, repeat and referral, the uh, the things that I found have had the best returns in the last couple of years has been direct marketing, uh, flyers, postcards. And I do something called EDDM, Every Door Direct Mail, and it's actually a service through the United States Postal Service, USPS, where uh, you you it's, it's a process, it's a thing. I won't go into it now, but it's uh, EDDM. You can actually search EDDM USPS, and the USPS website has this great tool where you can actually see postal routes. It'll give you demographics on those postal routes, and you can plan where you wanna send uh, your flyers. And if you follow their processes, 
a physical USPS mail carrier will take one of your things and put it into a mailbox, which would technically be illegal in any other way. So yeah, it's actually a really, really good way to do it. So, all right, I'm going to go down on, um, on Instagram, Matt, I'll do yours. Uh, Matt McKeel, I'll do your second question. And then we'll hop over to some Facebook ones. I think here we got some good ones coming in here. So, uh, Matt, okay. Software and apps. So here's my, here's my thing, guys. I never, ever sign up for an app or a piece of software, uh, that doesn't give me an immediate relief to the business. I try to always do my stuff myself because there are so many useful app softwares, especially when you're talking about, you know, the estimate rockets, the drip jobs. These are beautiful, wonderful, helpful, useful things that will literally make your business better. Here's the deal. If you don't adopt them, if you don't champion them, if you don't use them to their fullest, they're as useless as everything else, just absolutely everything else. So it's just like anything else diet and exercise doesn't matter what plan you use if you actually are consistent with it you're going to get the best results so here's the deal i never want to sign up for apps if i don't have to but our entire business is based off of google drive so our entire uh um like reciprocal uh not reciprocal uh the the place where we store everything is basically google drive all our projects have folders there's estimates there's before and after images there's invoices there's all this other stuff like that um, and then basically, uh, we use QuickBooks like almost every other business does. That's like entrance fee, uh, kind of stuff. We use Slack for internal communication. So within the company, we can share things about job sites, direct messages, things like that. And that's a beautiful archive there. If you guys don't use Slack, like literally that's, that's one of those ones that's like game changer kind of stuff. It'll change the way you communicate in your business. Um, and then we use uh, Trello for project management. So this is one of those ones where I did not seek it out. There's probably a thousand good ones like it, but my production team, my project management team came to me and said, hey, I think we can get Trello and make this better. And they use it internally for the Trello stuff uh, really heavily. My estimating team also does too. And Trello is basically like, from my end at the macro, the 10,000 foot view is a visual dashboard of cards and every lead or estimate or project is a card and you can see the card flow through on your desktop. So for me, the best apps are ones that have a visual representation of what's going on in the business. So that's kind of like what I, I can see how many leads came in, um, how many were estimated. If my estimators are following up on it, I can look at uh, one of the coolest things is I can pull up my project management Trello thing and I can see how many cabinet wall trim, new construction, remodels, exterior, historic restorations. And I can just see all that in real time. So I don't have to calculate it, things like that. So, um, okay, Matt on Instagram, hold tight. I'm seeing your guys' questions here. You guys are awesome. I'll be right there. Uh, TikTok. Oh man, you guys are Pontiac Jack. Thanks a lot. Uh, Merry Christmas to you too. Uh, yes, to all my Brazilian friends there too. We got some Brazilians on TikTok. Facebook, let's see what you got on here today, guys. Okay. Uh, let's see. Oh my God, Travis Miller. How's it going, man? Um, I'm looking forward to the business accelerator class from PCA this January. So I, I should not go farther without saying that I'm a board member of the PCA, the painting contractors association. I did not know this thing existed up until five or six years ago. Literally, when you guys look at the growth curve of me personally as a leader and my business, the inflection point was when I started talking to other painters and when I actually met the PCA. So uh, the people in the PCA are very substantial. Uh, the PCA is a trade organization. It's a nonprofit, heavily subsidized by industry partners, Sherwin, Benjamin Moore, PPG, things like that, uh, Purdy, whatnot, and a whole bunch of others. Uh, awesome, awesome tech companies, uh, uh, material companies, things like that. 
And we are the sort of like, we are the holder of the industry standards, which are actually free. You can just download industry standards. You know, one of the most popular standards is what constitutes a perfectly painted surface. That's free right now. If you search it, if PCA uh, industry standards, you can find those right now. We have a ton of great in-person events, my master's classes, the expo, the residential forums, virtual and in-person events all over the place. But also we're the holders of training and standards of training. So we have an insanely, insanely rigorous painter training program, not only in English, but native speaking Spanish. Also, also, which is really cool, which they're talking about the business accelerator, uh, a friend of mine, Jason Paris, who's also on the board, our, we are championing a cause trying to make better professional trades business owners. Because literally, when we say there's no good people out there, we often think of employees. But really, when you look at the stats of our industry, <sighs> There's a lot of trades business owners that are lacking. And it's not because you're bad people. You did it the same way I did. We came into this as master craftspeople and had to teach ourselves to be business owners. Many times on our own, you don't have to anymore. There's people here. Tim Pierpont, good friend of mine from the industry. Tim uh, just commented on Facebook. He's actually in this class and I bumped in live to answer questions about professionalization in his cohort. People sign up through the PCA. It's a cohort of maybe 10 to 15 people, Tim being one of them. There's a fee attached to it, but you get a learning management system, you get a software that guides you through the process, you get a group of people to do this with all over the place, all over North America, and we basically put you through the paces of exactly what I did in the last six years to go from zero to about 40 people, give or take. Proven processes that actually grow your business, uh, get rid of the stress, uh, make it so you don't have these crazy ups and downs, level out the feelings, things like that. It's a, it's a great thing. So uh, they're, uh, they're, if you go to the PCA's website, it'll all be on there. Uh, when the show's over, I'll likely get on there and post a link for you guys too. So I really appreciate that. Uh, Brian Chemnitz, how's it going, man, uh, from Facebook. Uh, Nick, will you use 2K polys for cabinets? Yes, and I do, but it's not our standard operating procedure. So uh, 2K polys. So there's a lot of stuff going on out there. Hey, they're, they're imported, they're Italian, they're 2K, which sounds awesome, right? And there's a lot of like, um, there's a lot of feelings attached to these products and not a lot of data attached to these products. So obviously I've got in the shop, I've tested out a ton of these things. I like them, they're good products, but there's a lot of chemistry going on and you have to use a lot of experience when you do these things. Standard operating procedures have never been more important than when dealing with products that have a lot of chemistry. So the history of a lot of these um, 2K, 1K, um, you know, water-based polyurethanes, uh, is actually uh, these a lot of these things came from product finishes. So think about a big factory with an assembly line with a robot spraying and then a infrared drying thing or just a blast furnace to dry these things. And let's say you're just making picture frames thousands at a time and you just need a white something that'll just like dry quick and you can ship them out, give or take. Um, that's what kind of these products are. Honestly, that's their origins. Um, they're made for factory settings. They're made to uh, go on, be super hard, dry quick, in and out, this and that, but they have a very controlled environment. So now when you get into somebody's house, now there's a tons of variables and things like that. So again, it's one of those things where they're brand new. My knee-jerk reaction is always like, that's awesome, I'm gonna try them all, and they're great. They do a great job, but there's things that you need to know. 
there are some inherent problems with them if you don't follow a very tight standard operating procedure. One of the basic ones uh, that I've seen with a lot of 2Ks is uh, because of the, what we'll just call it hotness of the chemistry, there's a lot of stuff going on in them. Let's say you have a cabinet door that you don't exactly get all of the hand oil or the cooking oil or the fumes off from it. If you spray even a uh, vinyl sealer or one of the thousands of different primers on there, uh, it could just wrinkle off. It could just completely crackle, wrinkle off, and then you have to start over. You have to sand all the way through it. You have to scrub it with denatured alcohol, get all that off. And even if you don't feel it to the touch, if something's there, it reacts with the coatings after that. So you just have to be really careful. Now, the possible upside is, again, this is this is up for a little bit of debate. They are likely harder and more durable than a lot of the architectural coatings out there. But you also have to ask yourself, like, at some point, if we're using a very, very high-end enamel that's just, you know, from Sherwin-Williams, Benjamin Moore, uh, you know, fine paints of Europe, things like that, um, and it's hard, and it's durable, and it's beautiful, what is the expectation of the lifespan of that? Because you can take conversion varnish, which arguably is like people are like, well, you know, if you're not using 2Ks, you're a hack. Well, it, it depends where you want to take this because there are things better than 2K. There is thing called conversion varnish and there are things called polyester finishes. And people who use a polyester finish might look down at a 2K and say, you're not doing you're not doing your clients justice if you're not using a poly, uh, a uh, yeah, a uh, uh, what did I just say? Polyester coating. Yeah. So it really depends where you are. So don't ever think that I, I would I would I've always been in the business of not casting judgment on my other craftspeople. The problem in our industry is that the big well, the biggest problem I would say is not that we don't do good jobs with coatings or exceed the client's expectations. The biggest problem is we don't run professional businesses and that does not allow us to apply these professional coatings to people. So what I would say is the more important thing is like, listen, you guys know me long enough here. I push the the, the boundaries of, of what coatings are and, and quality. I mess around with fine paints of Europe gloss. We do all the one case, all the two case. We mess with conversion varnishes and polyesters and things like that. I want to stay on the cutting edge. But at some point when you're working in an $800,000 house with golden oak cabinets and somebody wants you in and out in four and a half days and they want this to last between 10 and 20 years knowing that this kitchen's going to be remodeled, we have kids and they're going to beat these cabinets up. At some point, if this isn't an $8 million thing uh, project where the cabinets are handmade, hand-cut mahogany from somewhere, you have to match the level of finish to the, to the client's needs. And I would say that most painters do an amazing job of this, using oil primers, water-based bonding primers, and then using water-based, oil-based, or uh, hybrid-based enamels over the top. They provide the clients with an amazing finish. It's beautiful, it's durable, it's washable. But don't ever forget, don't ever forget, if you take a metal pan and you smack a kitchen cabinet with those, there isn't a dang coating on this earth that's going to protect that kitchen cabinet, that wood from that metal pan. If you have crazy kids like mine who beat up cabinets, there is not a 2K, there's not a conversion varnish, there's not a polyester that's going to stop and be armor for those cabinets. So just remember that when you're going out there. Like, yes, some products may work better than others, but do we actually know? Can you prove it? Do you know it? And are you actually adding value to your client? So these are things, this is not me casting judgment. This is me just saying, think about what you do. Think about what you do. And if you've not gone through the progression over the last 30 years like I have with everything, 
oil primer, water-based primer, hybrid primers, getting curious, testing everything. I got libraries of cabinet doors where we've tried everything, prep, no prep, every primer you've ever heard of. And there's been some interesting results. But through the lens of a craftsperson that's seen a lot of things, there's only a few common ways that coatings fail. And whether it's a 2K or whether it's old school water-based or oil-based primer or latex house paint, when something fails, it's really kind of just a few things like that. So it's, it, there's really no new failure underneath the sun. It's kind of interesting. So, all right, uh, let's see here. <laughs> all right, let's, uh, da, 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 da. let's see, Brian Kemnitz, awesome question. I, so we have done them for our company. In fact, when, when people have asked for like gloss black and stuff like that, we've actually da uh, dallied with the kind of like 92 Sheen Ilvas and things like that. Great products, but there's chemistry there. You gotta be careful. Um, let's see, Oscar, how's it going, my friend? We'll be seeing you at the uh, retreat coming up soon. Uh, Bernie Yancey. Finally, somebody reputable in the industry is being honest about all these 2K. Okay, so I don't want, Bernie, I just want to make sure uh, from Facebook, I want to make sure you guys are understanding right, which is this is not me talking down about those things. I like those coatings a lot, but just because they're new, just because they have a cool name, I, I would, I would, it would be, I'd be hard pressed, I'd be hard pressed to prove that it adds more value to the client, at least with our clients, where we are in the industry and what we promise to clients like that. Um, the longer I do this, now listen, this is not me saying just go out there and get a can of semi-gloss latex wall paint and start weenie rolling it over cabinets. Like obviously, you guys know me, we go deep into coding science, we practice everything, we have standard operating procedures. But at some point, you have to ask yourself, are you actually giving the client a more durable set of kitchen cabinets or are they just gonna use them and stain them up and chip them up in all the ways that normal people do? And in the next eight to 12 years, is this kitchen gonna be remodeled? Likely. And this house is gonna be sold every one to five years, give or take, and that's just how it is. Nobody stays in a house for the rest of their life. You know, That's just how it is, so uh, interesting. So, all right. Oh, Nichols Painting Company from the Dakotas. Uh, Vork Brothers is watching. This is awesome, man. There's lots of people on IG tonight. All right. Oh, let's see. Estimator Andy's wife is on there. How's it going? Oh, my God. Elegance Custom Cabinetry. How's it going, man? Love that. Oh, my daughter Aurelia. How's it going? <laughs> oh, here we go. Raven Painting. Love this one. Hey, Nick, what makes new construction successful for you? So I would... Uh, uh, great question. You're going under the assumption that it is successful for me. So here's the deal. What I've learned in all these years of doing it is that it's not up to me. Um, it is up to the builder. And 90% uh, of all builders, as far as I can tell, based on my processes and what, and, and what we do, our systems, uh, are not good fits for us. May not even mean they're bad people. Although, uh, boy, uh, if I've ever been frustrated and stressed out and disappointed in humanity, it's typically been when we hook up with a big luxury home builder, right? And the typical process always goes, great, we love it, we want a super high-end painter, Nick, it's great, you got project managers, estimators, you got the tan button-up shirts on, this is gonna be awesome. Except, they want what we have to offer, they definitely wanna pay scab labor rates, give or take, or they wanna take advantage of that single, owner operator in their first couple years that doesn't know what to charge and gets that shiny object syndrome. They get lured in by the uh, you know luxury home builder, things like that. So uh, a lot of general contractors out there, I hate to say this guys, but general contractors, you got a reputation for a reason and all contractors do, you know, um, of being unscrupulous. 
and kind of taking advantage of subs, give or take. And typically the process goes, great, we're gonna do this, Nick, get in there, prime the drywall, and then they ask us to come through three-fourths three of the way through the project, finish paint, cabinets, trim, and walls, and then there's still another quarter of the, uh, of the timeline and Gantt chart to get done. And the plumbers, the electricians come in and everything else, and they beat the living hell out of the house. And they're just like, come in and touch up for one hour. And that's not how touch-ups work. You want a nice finish, we can't just come in there and, and touch up willy-nilly. So we have to start repainting stuff and they definitely don't want to pay us for that. And so now we're left in this situation where they're over budget, they're over the timeline, the homeowner wants to move in, homeowner's in tears, and general contractor is screaming at us, get back here and I sure as hell ain't paying you again for painting this house. And then we get in this weird situation where we got to take care of our clients. We're not going to leave them hang out to dry. Uh, and then we never get paid by the builder. Um, so thousands of hours go into these things. And uh, unless you have the right builder uh, that's open to change orders and a process like that, it's never gonna work. Raven Painting uh, from Instagram, the way that we do this is we vet our builders like we do our employees, which is you gotta share our core values. You gotta agree um, to, um, to our process. Our process is basically get the dang house done and we'll come in right at the end. I mean, you can even have furniture in there. The client can be moving in there. We'll prime the drywall. We'll finish coat ceilings, get cabinets, get trim, get everything done. We want plumbing done. We want electrical done. We want countertops in. We want everything done. Then we'll come in and we'll prep a house like it's lived in and do it. When we walk out, there's no trade damage, nothing else. And it's actually better for the job and it's cheaper for the client. It, it's more budget friendly than actually getting there and just change ordering and, and fixing all these things. So yeah, that's a, it's been a great one for us. So. Danilo, Banoiche, my friend. Uh, da, 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 da. Oh, another one from Raven. How do you hold builders accountable with PCA industry standards as well as use them to your advantage? So here's the problem with industry standards. You gotta have them in a contract and the builder has to agree to them um, to agree to them before you start. Now, here's the deal. A lot of those industry standards, I think there's 20 some of them, um, very useful industrial and commercial. You have to pick and choose with residential. That's been my experience. We've modified some, we use some right away, but um, before you even start a job, there's gotta be some setting of expectations. So that's how we do it. Uh, that's how we do it. Oh, Mr. Andy, Estimator Andy, watching on IG. How's it going, man? Uh, da, 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 da. Let's go back to uh, Facebook here. Uh, da, 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 da. Tom Schuster, you tend to use waterborne primers on your historic exteriors. How well does it soak into the wood? I worry that it may just lay on the surface. I know you do research, so I appreciate the knowledge. So here's the deal. This is one of these things where, uh, Tom, I appreciate this. You've obviously been watching. Follow the data. Follow your experience. Because on historic restorations, like when we do houses over 100 years old, we'll follow all the RRP guidelines, we'll scrape, we'll sand in accordance to those safety laws. Um, and then the way I was always taught is that that old that old wood still has tannin in it. And sometimes you just take a white water-based top coat, put it on there, you get all those tobacco stains, those, um, those orange stains, those tannic acids coming through. Um, I was always taught that really the only way to guarantee to stop those, get adhesion and stop bleeding is oil primer. So here's the deal. We've restored houses for decades with oil primer and things like that. Downside of oil primer is it really, it depends which kind of oil primer. Fast dry oil primers do not penetrate as much as long oils, uh, slow drying oils. Um, they are a bear to put on bare wood. Like they, they go on, the production rate is three to four times slower with those oils. They're sticky, they don't spread very well. It's just, a, it, they do fine. We've not had failures, but 
there was one summer we had a bunch of barns to do and barns are just craggy driftwoody like it's just it takes forever to to spray and back brush and back roll these things it's just it's so frictiony so what I did was like, hey, let's uh, let's do an experiment this year. And I tried about four or five different oil primers and we put them on, waited overnight, and I didn't see any bleeding on a couple of them. You know, a couple of them bled right away. It's like, ah, okay, that's about what we thought. But uh, we, our default for a lot of years has been either Kills Premium 3. I think it might've changed names recently. That's a very thick, heavy bodied primer. Um, tends to sit a little more on the surface, but it also penetrates better. But also Sherwin-Williams multi-purpose latex in the blue can it's a it's not a sexy name but it is a very thin water-based primer that like just super penetrates and also there's no reason this should work it bonds to all the bare wood and painted wood on a historic home and i've never once had a bleeding issue with it this is me saying i would never give this advice over wood that is prone to bleed to use a basically a very common latex exterior water-based primer like i that would be bad advice generally as craftspeople but the problem is we've never had an issue with bonding we've never had an issue with bleeding and it just feels i it just feels like that stuff just soaks in like that it's a beautiful product so yeah we just follow we just follow our data uh it's it we've never had an issue with it and uh yeah it's just been awesome and also spreads on super quick it's it's like grease lightning uh you can spray back roll very easily it's just a wonderful wonderful process and honestly this is one of those things where um you have to follow your tests. On paper, there's no reason a water-based latex exterior primer should stop bleeding, but you know what? It's never not. So we're going to use it like that. So, yeah. Okay. Holly Barlow, how's it going, Holly? Good to see you. Brian Kimnitz, thanks. Uh, let's see. Uh, sorry, the comments are skipping here. I'm just going to make sure I don't forget anybody here. Uh, thanks for your 2K response. I got a ton of usable ammo from that. Talk to us about your cabinet warranty when you're using SOBs combined with emerald urethane. Okay, so um, we are a uh, oil primer, cover stain, and then Benjamin Moore Scuff X. Uh, company. Uh, we love, uh, we've been doing tons of experiments. You guys have been watching along with Sherwin Williams Scuff Tough, which is basically their offering uh, as far as like a, a good competitor for Scuff X. Really awesome product. Uh, but just like Emerald Trim Urethane, the shines are just, we're, we're used to something. Uh, a satin, most painters are used to a certain satin, and ScuffX satin in the red can delivers a really, really nice satin. Satin in Scuff Tough or Emerald Trim Urethane is a great satin. It's just a little more matte than normal, and most of us who have used it understand that. So we've been using the semi-gloss, and that'll give you like a nice satin, maybe satin plus 5%, give or take. It's a beautiful finish. We actually just did an office remodel. Uh, in our shop office and we used scuff tough on all the built-in cabinets and stuff it's a great product touches up easily you can use a uh, um, uh, by hand it goes really really easy things like that so yeah it's uh, it's a wonderful thing so let me get back into your question here and these uh, yeah sorry the the questions just skip when somebody adds so we're getting a lot of questions here too so which is awesome uh, yeah uh, talk about our warranty so here's the deal uh, we don't offer an explicit warranty. It's not like a three-year, no-hassle warranty, give or take. Here's what we say uh, in, in basically these exact words, which is 
we're going to set up a process to make sure that this delivers the best adhesion, best stain blocking, and the most beautiful durable finish we can in the reasonable amount of time for the amount of money you're going to spend with us. For double the money, we can spend twice as much time and give you a product that's 20% more durable for twice the money. And that's usually not a good value to the client. So we want the least amount of work, the highest efficiency, the most beautiful finish, the greatest durability with the least amount of time all in there. So along the lines of what, how we talk to clients, we set it in writing. We set our expectations in writing. We also set our expectations verbally twice. Once during the estimate, one during the project setup phase, which is basically this. We are gonna do amazing things to your cabinets. We go through this crazy prep process. We're bringing in professional sprayers. We've never had a failure in 15 years with this. But if you take that cast iron skillet and you slam it against your cabinets, the paint is always gonna be the weak spot because there is oak and there is a cast iron pan and the paint will always lose. It does not matter what you do. If you have a hand full of decorative rings with crazy big rhinestones and diamonds on them and you wedge them behind a pole every morning to grab a coffee cup, it's likely you will do something to the paint behind there. It might be a mar, it might be a chip. There is nothing, there is nothing. Your clothes don't do that, your flooring, your countertops, your trim, your walls, your woodwork, there's not a thing, your car finish. If you, if you have that crazy handful of rings and jam it behind your car handle every day, you are going to see scratches. That's just the way it is. So when people, when people say, well, I'm going to use this because it, it provides the best stain resistance, the longest thing, and this like that, it's like, yes, you're right. But humans will interact with it to cause damage, and there is no way around it. So for me, that's saying... Okay, knowing that this is sort of a, live, uh, a living sort of coating and we, this house is a living house and most of the families we work for are actually families with young people in them and professional workers and they use their house, it's not a museum piece, this is going to be after uh, this is going to have to be a coating that's going to be maintained and you can easily come in with brushes with rollers with sprayers or even artist brushes and very easily work with these cabinets i do that in my house my kids beat our stuff up here and we know that but it's easy to maintain it's easy to maintain if you use a host of other things that must be sprayed uh things like that you're not coming into a house with a lot of 2ks you can probably brush and roll a little bit but um with a lot of the coatings we use, uh, if you're a skilled craftsperson, it's likely you can get a Nylox brush and some Scuff X, and you can actually brush out a, a panel of a cabinet door and make it 96% close to a sprayed finish, give or take. So that's a that's a huge benefit of uh, of the stuff we do too. So, all right, let's go back to uh, let's see Facebook. Uh, Aram, how's it going? Mr. Ramos, thank you, Nick. Always giving the knowledge. Uh, great to meet you this year as well, too. That was absolutely awesome. Tom Schuster, I tend to use slow dry oil primer. That's why I was curious about the waterborne. Absolutely. Slow dry is awesome, man. It's great. But you know, honestly, I've been restoring, you know, homes, barns, everything for years. There's a there is no finish that's gonna be a lifetime finish. There's almost no finish that's gonna be a 20-year finish. And there's, well, there's no finish that's gonna be a 20 year finish. There's almost no finish that's gonna be a 10 year finish. North side of a building will likely stay good seven to 20 years. South side, you may get three to seven years out of it. It's a, it's a living, breathing thing. When you're talking about historic homes that have bad insulation, bad moisture, uh, there's probably no moisture barrier and stuff on there. 
You can do whatever you want to that and there's outside conditions, externalities that will affect how that house breeds. When you think about a barn that's still used, if there's animals down below, if there's hay in the loft, that's a ton of moisture coming through from the inside to out. No insulation, a lot of times just a one inch thick board like that. You can do whatever you want, preserve the paint, but literally seven to 15 years, you're gonna have to maintain that. And that's what these are. We have to get in the mindset of architectural, residential, maybe even commercial and industrial painters, these are wear coatings. This is not a perfect coating. It's not gonna last a lifetime. You need to be reasonable and you need to understand that it's better to have a reasonable expectation for the coating and give the client a reasonable expectation of having it maintained in the future. So yeah, as much as I love a museum quality restoration, like when we're on a Victorian mansion, it could be 40 to $80,000 worth of paint work. We could put in half a million, but you're not gonna get five times the life out of it. You're still gonna have to paint something between seven and 20 years on that house, no matter what you do. Even if you take all the wood down to bare wood, consolidate it with wood consolidant, preservative, things like that, and three coats of oil primer, four coats of top coat, guess what? Seven to 10 years, somewhere low on that south side where the water and sun hits it all the time, you're gonna need to maintain it. Doesn't matter what you do, so. All right, uh, da, 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 da. let's see. We're gonna keep going with Facebook here. There's a whole bunch of good ones coming through here. So Fountain City, we've been using a cover stain scuff X on trim and cabinets for a while now, never any issues. And again, I agree. Now, this is not me saying one is better, one is not. For my business, for our people, for what we promise our clients and what we can follow through with, we have great success with that. We could probably have great success with a lot of other stuff, but one of the other considerations you have to take into account with a business like mine is logistics. So it's, it's likely every single day we will do paint orders. Twice a week we put in huge paint orders where delivery trucks actually come to our shop. If we have to mail order something and we can't get it within the few hours or within 12 or 24 hours, it's kind of a non-starter for us. We have a lot of stuff going on and uh, we, cannot be, we cannot be mail ordering um, very, very expensive coatings uh, because we, we always try to maintain a tight material budget for every job uh, so that we can keep our prices reasonably low for our clients, give or take. And that doesn't mean we pick products based on their price. It just means that we can't take a chance and order three more gallons of a coating that costs $180 a gallon because that is a substantial amount of money on a kitchen cabinet project. That could be 10, 15% more that we have to add to a kitchen cabinet product that doesn't really add any value to the client. So we're always careful with that stuff there so oh holly how do i convince my husband uh he wants to go to the expo classes with me oh you want to convince your husband to go there i mean show him a picture of some of those sherwin williams parties um if uh if he's not into the painting stuff um golfing uh sightseeing things like that but honestly uh it's one of those things where there has never been a human who went to the PCA Expo, a master's class, an in-person event that walked away basically saying, boy, that was just, eh, you know, like that. Literally, everybody's like, oh my God, I, I couldn't take notes fast enough. I met so many awesome people. I got a place to start, but this is just like overwhelming. It's a lot. So um, yeah, <laughs> Oscar, not to mention 2K products are sometimes not available locally and they're not for me really either. So uh, da, 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 da. all right, one more and then we'll go to IG. Seth, how do you track individual production of employees when, when I'm still an owner-operator running jobs? That, my friend, uh, is job costing. Job costing is the tracking of material and labor per project. And there's industry benchmarks. Uh, typically, large professional businesses would like to see 
materials at about 15% or lower of every project, and we would like to see labor at about 40% or lower for every project. That leaves us with a gross profit of about 45%, of which 30% of that will go to overhead, uh, leadership team, and running the company, hopefully leaving you 15% as true net profit after you pay yourself. So Aaron, if you need any more information on that, always happy to do that. But basically, you already know the answer to this. You're paying them a wage, they're working a set amount of hours, and there's a revenue for the project. You take how much you pay that person, and you divide that by the total revenue, and that'll give you the labor percentage of a job, things like that. Brian, I see your question, we gotta go to IG. Ah, <laughs> Ryan, how's it going? My good marketer friend uh, from IG. How do you grow a legendary beard? So that is one of the things I do not try at. I appreciate the compliment. Um, yeah, it's just, it's here. It just does its thing. I'm blessed with great bohemian jeans, uh, Czechoslovakian jeans, and facial hair doesn't seem to be a problem for me. So fine wood finishers. Uh, that's with any materials, to be honest. Yep, you're actually right. Loja expert, Bonoichi, my friend from Brazil. Raven, 2K when catalyzed has a short pot life, two or three hours, but it's super hard to finish and have great chemical resistance. I agree with that statement. That is a true statement, 100%. Thank you guys for watching there. All right. Fine wood finishers. Polyester is nice, but not too good on durability compared to solvent or uh, water-based poly. Yeah, so again, Lest, lest we cast dispersions or, or judgmental um, uh, judgment on other painters, here's the deal. There are, uh, there are some people who, who have not been around the industry very long who don't have this life experience of being a craftsperson and being around. Doesn't make them good people, doesn't make them bad people. It just makes it true, it just is. And a lot of people like to cast dispersions on other business owners and trades business owners and craftspeople in the industry because they use something different. Um, but here's what I will say. We all want to do good work for our clients, right? And we all want to do good works for ourselves and our families and, and uh, have uh, professional businesses uh, that do amazing things for our clients. But here's the deal. Don't ever think that what you're using or doing is the best. I'll look you in the face and say that, you know what, we can, we can obviously do better. If you leave me alone and you give me three months to do a set of kitchen cabinets, I will turn out the finest example of finishing in the United States, if you let me and the substrate is willing. The problem is, none of our clients want that and none of our clients are gonna pay for it in my market for my business doing what we do. So, you could cast dispersions. Right now, there are not many code compliant and OSHA safe spray booths or facilities in the United States in professional companies. There are many people that will use a 2K poly or any of these other fancy finishes and they will be doing it in the garage or on the job site and they will cast dispersions on those using other coatings. The people using other coatings like myself have a code approved OSHA safe spray booth and finishing facility. So a person in my place could easily cast dispersions on 99% of our industry and say you're a hack if you don't have a code compliant and OSHA safe spray booth. But I do not because we're all there. I have been there before. I have finished outside of a code compliant spray booth and OSHA safe spray booth longer than I have had one, okay? We've all been there. So I'm not willing to cast dispersions on people like that. The lesson of this is that we all do better when we all do better. We need to be inclusive. We need to uplift everybody. We need to constantly be on this journey of learning. And I would say, here's the deal. The biggest problem in our industry is not that we can't do a good paint job. The biggest problem in our industry is that we have no idea how to run a professional business. 
you know? So I would say, if you spend all your time researching the latest codings, latest tools, latest techniques, it's not bad, but there's a thing called opportunity cost where you're missing out on something else, which is you should divide that time between coding science exploration and paint business entrepreneurship. The paint business entrepreneurship thing will eventually give you way more headaches and stress and problems with your business than the coding science ever will. Coding science and, and the, the SOPs uh, the, and the, the primers, the top coats, the tools are the easiest solvable thing in our industry, all right? Be curious, get out there and try stuff. But if you do that at the cost of working on your business, I would say that's generally for the industry, for most people, a bad idea and a bad use of your time. Do both, do both. All right, let's get in here. Uh, <laughs> oh man. Oh my God, here we go. Nichols painting, wallpaper, by the hour or by the square foot? That depends on your business. So uh, wallpaper, uh, I was taught to wallpaper 25 years ago by my mother and my father. And that was in the day where you would go down to a Hirschfields, the local fourth generation paint manufacturer, who's also a, a big wallpaper thing. And you would just go down there, look in a bin and pick fabric back vinyl in the color you want. This was not special order. This was more like you just go down there, they have wallpaper in stock, grab some, eight double rolls, do a bedroom, moving on like that. Every single wallpaper project nowadays is custom, one-off, it's ordered from England, it's over the internet, um, lot, uh, lot numbers don't match, it's just wild. Everything is an art installation now. So one of the things that we have to be careful about, and I'm just gonna plug in my iPhone here real quick, give me just a second. One of the things we have to be careful out with wallpaper is there's so much variability. We actually had to stop offering wallpaper install in my company because I was the only one who could do it. And the apprenticeship, the apprenticeship period to get somebody to be a master at that is measured in years and not weeks or months. So it's a very tough thing to invest in. There's also not a lot of demand coming in. Every demand there is, is I have basically 30 square feet and we're gonna order some stuff off the internet and we need you to install it. And for me, it's like, oh my God, that's like a very specialized thing. Uh, it, there's there's um, wallpaper with uh, fur and crushed velvet and metallics and feathers and glass beads that you can't get wet, you can't get paste on the front end. Everything now is specialized. Back in the day when we used to just hammer out rolls of fabric bag vinyl where you could scrub the face, you know, think of the old stuff at the dentist's office and the hospitals where it's, it's just vinyl coated paper. You could take a scrub brush and scrub this stuff. That is way easier. It's a random pattern, no drop match, things like that. Um, honestly, right now we, we either sub out or refer out all our wallpaper. Um, it depends how, if you're a wallpaper only company, you're gonna have to do um, set pricing. Um, if you only do it occasionally, I would enter into that TNM if you can guarantee the client a, a, uh, a certain result at the end. Now, Nichols, this brings up a bigger question of like, how do you price stuff? And honestly, you said by the hour, by the square foot, you could actually do both of those things and you wouldn't be wrong. You can do it by unit price. You can say, listen, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna wallpaper powder room, I need 1500 bucks, no matter what, minimum. And then if you give me a complicated paper, we only go up from there. You could charge by the roll, by the double roll. You could charge by the square foot. You could charge by a day. You could charge by production rate, give or take. So there's a whole bunch of different ways to do it. it you have to find a, a way where clients will say yes, you can make a profit and you can guarantee a certain result at the end there. So let's keep going through IG. I like these questions here. Uh, IG's lagging just a little bit. So I think we got a slow, slow connection here. Let's see. 
Sorry, we're lagging on IG. I just want to make sure that we get everybody. Mark Abel, how's it going, my friend? Have you and your leadership team had any conversation about growth in the face of some of the economic headwinds, inflation, high interest, et cetera? Yes. So here's the deal, Mark. Unsatisfying answer to that. Uh, everybody loves to talk about inflation, interest rates, and all that stuff. If I'm being honest, the best piece of wisdom and advice I could give the entire industry, this is going to be specific for everybody, is that if you think that a, a change in a long-term interest rate at a national or international level, or that inflation or unemployment is going to affect your business in the painting industry, you're likely wrong. Uh, now, having said that, it might affect businesses like mine. It might affect some of the larger professional businesses out there. But right now, in the residential painting industry, you are only affected, you're only limited by your own ability to execute your business plan. That is a truth. Right now, a business that has no SOPs, no job description, no employee manual, no onboarding, no training, no pay scale, no leadership team, no way of recruiting, no way of marketing and getting jobs. If they say that, if a company like that comes to me and says, hey, um, the interest rate is killing my business, I will say you have not done 17 things that would make you a real business and you can't even prove that unless you actually start with that stuff. If you haven't job costed every single uh, job perfectly for years, it's likely you will not even know if an if a interest rate or unemployment or anything affects you. So there are businesses that track a lot of data and it's likely you might be able to feel things change. In big professional businesses where we track a lot of data, I queried a lot of my friends with these big professional businesses and here's the thing. I am finding some trends that we are being affected, which is the cost of acquisition, the cost of a lead, the cost of an estimate is going up. And there are some diminishing returns. $10,000 worth of flyers got you a certain amount of leads a year ago. $10,000 this year does not get you the same amount of leads. So now the professional businesses that I know aren't giving up. They're not saying, well, what are you going to do inflation? They're trying other things and doing experiments. And that's basically how we have to do it. So. Um, I'll see if I can work through the lag here on IG. Jake, what size air compressor is needed to use an air-assisted airless off of? Uh, so I would get the biggest one you can. There's a whole bunch of roll layers that you can use. Uh, if you're going to be spraying an entire room, like fine paints of Europe style, you're gonna probably need a couple of them, give or take. But honestly, in uh, we don't use air-assisted airlesses, not in the traditional way like that. Almost everything we do is airless. But when we have done this in the past, basically you just need, what's the biggest one that you can wheel around to be portable? Cause you know, you can get those ones in the back of auto shops that are just monstrosities, right? But um, just get something with the highest CFM you can, give or take. All right. Ah, oh, I love this one. Father and son's painting. Uh, why are builders so cheap when it comes to us painters? This is a super deep philosophical question that usually is not intended that way. So here's the deal. Think about it. I, I in some ways, play a general contractor. We subcontract some paint work we give our subcontractors a certain percentage of the job. It's not 100, right? It's a portion of that job. Think about from the home builder's point of view. They give you a percentage of the job. If I, as Nick Slavic Painting and Restoration, go out there and do a cabinet job for a private client, a, a homeowner, I charge them retail rates. That's the full freight. That's what it costs to do it. If a general contractor comes in, they charge my same rates, but then they find a subcontractor and give them a percentage of the job. Guess what? 
we are the subcontractors. So you wonder why there's no margin and things like that? It's because we're subcontractors and we're not guaranteed retail price. We're guaranteed a certain percentage because a general contractor for their management and logistics and other things, they take a cut of that and that's how they make their money. So not meant to be a deep question normally, but it, it is sort of like a, it's an interesting question. That's why we focus on repaints. Uh, Garcia, yep, absolutely. <laughs> oh, I love this one. Um, OJS Diaz, how do you bid your residential jobs? Yeah, so I have uh, a master's class on this, and basically I think about it three ways. You know, think about triangle. I triangulate my prices. There's gut and experience, there's production rates, and there's market rate. Here's the deal if you've never job costed before, if you've never tracked material and labor, you can't even begin to answer this without answering with your gut. There is not a simple equation of two times materials of so much a square foot. That doesn't tell you a thing because what I charge per square foot or lineal foot or per hour does not give you an accurate representation about we are an aggressively growing business in the residential repaint market 45 minutes out from a city center and we're still aggressively growing we are gonna charge a different rate than a single owner operator. So basically, the answer to that is an unsatisfying one, uh, Mr. Diaz, which is you need to do some job costing. You need to track material and labor for every single job you do and then track it against a, um, uh, um, then track it against a benchmark, give or take. So, all right, we're seeing uh, some people, we're losing some uh, Instagram audio here and the feed is super, super choppy here. Um, I think I'll hop over and just do some um, Facebook questions and stuff like that while we catch up here. Okay, here we go. One more, sorry, I, one that caught my eye here. Paint Life on Instagram. Uh, you're primarily using products like uh, scuff tough scuff x and command or have you been moving to the 2k no we experiment with 2k but we're a scuff x company right now uh doing a lot with scuff tough uh we don't really use command because uh, it got introduced years ago and we just can't get it it's still not back on the shelves so but i like all that stuff i love architectural enamels i love all the 2ks and things like that you have to go there's not one better than the other you just have to say for my clients for what we promise for our people for what we can deliver day after day for what works with my business we try to make the best decisions on that so all right let's see here let's go back to facebook oh man we got some nice questions here this is awesome Jeez, you guys sunday night is a ripper here this is great uh da, 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 da. Ah, Brian, here we go. Nick, what about hand oils that tend to soften the scuff X? Um, how do you sell around? So here's the deal. Now, um, I've been around so long that honestly, I haven't seen that. And it, I might just got lucky. Uh, people might not be reporting it, but honestly, they, there are, if you take a latex wall paint and paint your cabinets with it, hand oils break it down and it gets sticky. So think about that banister railing. <coughs> on houses, if somebody used, you know, think about the old uh, PPG breakthroughs, they had a problem with that. Think about just semi-gloss wall paint. If somebody just paints a banister with a latex wall paint and the hands are on it, it's literally sticky and gummy. You can scrape it off years later. I honestly haven't felt that with um, with Scuff-X or Scuff-Tough yet. So um, even with uh, uh, Pro Classic or Emerald Trim Urethane, that's not been my experience with that stuff, but I'm always open to that it happens. It's, I'm not saying it doesn't happen, so. Oh, Nick Joe, good friend Nick Joe here. We just spent some time together in Detroit area. Once you go to the expo, you will always go back. Unbelievable education and networking. Plus, they got some great board members as well. Thank you. A bunch of people eager to willing. Oh, dude, listen, you, you said it better than I ever could. Um, I'm not here to sell memberships, but 
I will show you every time I get in front of a group of people, Nick has seen this graph. There's a, a hockey stick graph and there's an inflection point from the time that I started talking to other painters and getting involved with the PCA and it all happened since there. And uh, if that's any proof that you need, that's it. So uh, Nick, oh, here we go. Uh, MI House Painters, on the fleet, what was the lifespan for the heavy duty cargo van compared to the Dodge Caravan you use? Uh, we've never used heavy duty cargo vans. We've only used caravans. Um, the only other vehicles I've owned, I have a Dodge Ram plow truck which is the first Dodge, uh, first vehicle I ever bought for the business. This was over 15 years ago and it was used then. Um, we've never used anything else. I think my estimators use a couple different ones. I think we got a Dodge Journey and we got a Chevy Equinox. We've used a Ford Fusion in the past, but honestly, a ten dollars to $15,000 used car is gonna take five to 800 bucks worth of maintenance a year between oil changes, repairs, tires, things like that. It's gonna take I don't know, 100 bucks a month, 80 bucks a month in insurance. It just is. It just is. So what I do is I I don't really, I mean, I've even had to replace engines and transmissions as these things. I think 3,700 bucks, 3,800 bucks. I mean, yes, you don't want to spend that money, but when you compare it to like, get a brand new transit van, it's $29,000, give or take, and we spend 10 to 15 grand for a used vehicle, we can replace three, four engines in that thing. Uh, and we won't even come close to the price of one of those other ones. So for me, it's like, we need like 17, 18 vehicles in my fleet, and I can't go buy $48,000 Dodge Rams to do that. Like I literally would own a million dollars worth of dang vehicles, and that's not okay. I don't want that kind of that that kind of debt. So, ah, uh, Danilo, Bonoiche, Oscar. Uh, <laughs> there's more demand than supply according to Jason Paris. Yes, that is absolutely true. It is a true saying. So people say, you know, what about inflation? What about rates? What about this and that? We have been literally right now, the county I'm in is 2% unemployment and we can find as many people as we need to fill the business. Now it takes work. I'm not telling you it's easy that they're all standing there waiting for me, but big professional businesses, I shouldn't say big, professional businesses that track the data and are intentional don't suffer from a lot of the same problems. We know how to estimate, we know how to schedule, uh, we know how to find people, we know how to train people, we know how to retain people, things like that. So, um, but it's doing all that unsexy stuff like that. So, um, da, 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 da. Ah, Julian Scott Mill, amazing stream, thank you so much. Uh, Jesse Allen, Merry Christmas to the Slavic family and crew. Same to you, man. You're always such a nice commenter. You always follow along. I insanely, I, I, I just, I'm very, very appreciative for, uh, for all the support you've been giving it. Oh yes. Uh, Michigan house painters. It was 750 for heavy duty and 30, $130,000 for the caravan. Yeah. So that's, uh, uh, yeah, that's basically, uh, how we grew. Uh, he's talking about my master's class where I basically say if we had to grow a fleet of 15 to 18, Dodge Rams or transit vans, literally we'd be 750K plus. In the end, we ended up spending about 130, 150K for our entire fleet, which saves you half a million dollars at least. And it still gets you from point A to point B and it's awesome. So, uh, <laughs> oh, estimator Andy, oh, I love it, man. Hey, Andy has got a burning question. Nick, do you think Ian will bring lunch tomorrow? So, um, oops. Uh, so here's the deal, uh, for our leadership team meetings every Monday morning, wet my whistle there for our leadership team meetings. We have potluck and we rotate through somebody brings lunch. Ian, the other estimator has been a notorious non lunch bringer. So hopefully fingers crossed. Uh, so here's the deal. Love Ian, trust Ian, but I'm bringing soup tomorrow just in case uh, for myself. So just in case he doesn't come through. So no harm, no foul. It's a potluck. It's not one of those things we judge people by, but it's a good question. So hopefully peer pressure will get him. 
Uh, Jose Martinez, Nick, not sure if you've touched on primer for cabinets. Thanks for taking the time to spread the knowledge. All right, here's the deal, man. There's lots of things you can do. Um, right now, uh, what I'm gonna say is, I don't even wanna say it's not the best. It, it's never failed, right? So we use cover stain. And I can look a client in the eye and say, it's not gonna chip, it's not gonna bleed, it sticks every time, it hasn't fish-eyed, it hasn't crackled, it hasn't peeled, it hasn't done anything for so long. Cover stain is cheap, it's readily available, it's good to go. We're, we're just good to go using it. If it's not, I would certainly go to something else. You know, there's a whole bunch of the new stuff, the vinyl sealers, the bonding stuff, um, even water-based primers like sticks and things like that. Uh, one out of 20, you might get a bleed or a fail, but they're really good products. Um, the problem for me is that cover stain's still available. We can get it from multiple vendors, which can be competitive. Logistically, it works out in my business and it never, ever fails. Now, if I could wave the magic wand and get away from any solvent-based finishes, I would. The problem is they're cheap, they're ready available, and they never fail for that process like that. So that's what I use, Jose. All right, let me just check TikTok here, see what we're going on. Da, 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 da. All right, and I'm going to give Instagram one more shot here. It's, uh, it's super choppy. I think uh, we got multiple, we got three things going off cell service in my office here. So I think Instagram's the one suffering here. So, all right. Paint Life 607, also, do you think water-based primer will ever be just like oil, not only for cabinets, but especially for exterior older structures? For exterior older structures, I can actually prove that right now, yes. But um, whenever a coating manufacturer comes to me, and this dovetails perfectly with this, and they say, Nick, how can we support you? And I would say, well, we're looking for a purple unicorn, which is we want a water-based primer that's readily available, relatively inexpensive, dries in an hour, sands in an hour, sticks to everything, and never bleeds. And I would literally buy all of it. Like you could charge $200 a gallon and we would buy that stuff. Uh, it would basically negate the, uh, you know, we're still gonna use respirators, but it would only be for particles and not the smell and things like that. And it would be way better for our clients and for us. So I am all for that stuff. So, oh, Garcia Bros painting. What's the most durable exterior paint uh, for masonry and stucco? So there's not many times I have a definitive answer. This is absolutely one of them. Sherwin-Williams locks on XP. It is like, we're upper Midwest in Minnesota. Masonry gives us lots of problems. Uh, it's way different down South. You guys have a whole host of other things here, but like, listen, man, Loxon XP, two coat system. We've done it over stucco. We've done it over brick. We've done it over cinder block. We've done bare, we've done recoats. Unbelievable product. One of the most satisfying finishes we do. And honestly, one of the longest lasting finishes we do. Like it is, we know, we know that when we put that stuff on, uh, we've never had a peel. We've never had a, a, a failure with any of that stuff. It's still going. I did the Chamber of Commerce in my hometown. It is a stucco building on Main Street. It's blasted by sun, by uh, ricocheting snow, uh, salt from the road, everything like that. I did it 14 years ago. It looks as good as the day as I put it on. And this is masonry in Minnesota facing south. It's, it's amazing. So yeah, that's, that's our go-to. That's an easy one. <laughs> that, as far as low-hanging fruit and easy questions. Ah, uh, Nick Bullis, uh, thoughts on bin primer for cabinets and trim and doors? Absolutely, man. So here's the deal. Um, not bad, but uh, it's very brittle finish. And people like it because it dries fast, not typically because it performs better. Um, the fumes are very bad. You have to clean it with either denatured alcohol or ammonia. 
Um, and honestly, when we've done our adhesion tests, it's very brittle and you could scratch it off in, uh, at least in my experiments, eight out of 10 times, it doesn't even pass an adhesion test. So for me, it's like when, when you have bin and when you have cover stain next to each other on the shelf, they're all relatively, uh, expensive, inexpensive. Cover stain is like sometimes half the price of bin, uh, and you don't have to use any special stuff outside of mineral spirits to clean it. And it never fails to me. That's like. Yes, uh, for cover stain, we have to wait overnight to do something with it, but that's usually the only main fault of it. Like, literally, people love bin because it dries faster, not because it's better, give or take, and it's readily available. So, all right, let's go back here. <laughs> Paint life. Command versus Scuff X versus Scuff Tough. Uh, Scuff X, as far as I can tell, is one of the most magical paints for what it is on the planet. It's when we talk about perfect paints, there is no perfect paint all over, but Sherwin-Williams CHB, a regional product, is the perfect ceiling paint. Like it is just like zero to two degrees shine. It covers perfectly. It's readily available. It's it's just a beautiful, it's hard to get lap marks in it, things like that. Scuff X, as far as I can tell, when you're starting to look for like architectural cabinet and trim enamels and things like that, it's about, it's about a perfect a product as you can for ease of use and beauty and things like that. Uh, Command, we've we've messed with, we've experimented with, great product, but like I said, they introduced it and I said, great, send us, send us some our way. And they said, sorry, we can't get it. And it's probably around now, but honestly, it's, uh, and Scuff Tough is an amazing product. Um, we've been testing it out for the last year. We did all the cabinets uh, in our in our shop office and I actually made a custom uh, conference room table and we coated it with three coats of Scuff Tough and I sanded it in between and made it look all pretty. Uh, pretty and we'll see how we'll see how it lasts then but otherwise from my experience from using it great product and it just does a great job and i think it's going to be a great contender for scuff x2 so uh three bros painting uh greetings thank you thank you thank you manitou how do you manage your mental health uh and and for your team yeah so this is something we've had to uh take into account over the last couple years here um so Growing a business is tough, right? And there's trauma in any new process, any startup. And sometimes we don't even know that getting in. And we come sometimes find ourselves like, wow, I'm, I'm under like a lot of stress. I wonder why. And go to the data, right? Data and feelings. Um, there's only about 4% of all businesses in the United States, not just paint businesses. There's only about 4% of all businesses that will have 10 employees or do a million dollars in revenue. So if you're growing a business and things like that, and it feels stressful, it's great. Only 4% of the people could ever or will ever do what you're doing like that. And if it was easier, more people would do it. In our industry, the painting industry, it's likely that 98 or 90% of all businesses are basically one or two person companies, give or take. So if you have three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 employees, congratulations, you're in the 1%. And if it feels stressful sometimes, just know that you have permission to have stress for doing something hard. And I will look everyone in the face and say, this is hard. If it was easier, everybody would do it. But the rewards, you have to make sure you price in the, uh, the risk for your rewards. Otherwise, you'll go through all the stress and not have any reward at the end of it. And the reward is usually time and money freedom. So that is a deep conversation. I think I will probably look through here for any other kind of last minute questions. Uh, but otherwise, I, that's a great one to sort of like end it on here. So 
Thomas Powell, oh my goodness, cover stain is available and cheap. All right, so here's the deal. Um, it was 18 bucks uh, somewhere in the last year or two, and now it's into the 40s. And that's just how it goes, man. We've seen bin go to 100 and go down to 20. 120 based on the supply of, you know, shellac-based whatever. So uh, it just is what it is, man. Everything costs so much nowadays. So that's why we got to run a professional business to price all that in. So <laughs> Andy's going to bring some spam tomorrow just in case. So all right. Michigan House Painters, uh, the two estimators, one was at 2.3 and the other one was at 2.7 million. That was signed contracts or total estimates worth, asking because I keep the info on estimates. Yeah, so here's the deal. Uh, one is actually at 1.3 and one is at 2.7. Estimator Andy, the beloved Estimator Andy, sold about 2.7 million. Um, and sold means a client said yes to the thing. This is a signed contract, give or take. Now, obviously we're not gonna produce it all in a year. Typically we'll carry over 30% of what we sell into the next year, year over year, that's just how it goes. But yeah, we'll produce about 3 million this year and uh, Ian didn't have a full year, Andy definitely had a full year. And uh, yeah, that's basically how it'll go. So uh, he's at a 33% success ratio. Yeah, that'll, so that depends too. So the industry benchmark of success ratio, which means how many do you sell, how many do you do, um, is 50%. So uh, that's bounced around a lot. If you do 100 estimates, you should sell 50, give or take. And it doesn't feel great because you're losing 50. But here's the deal. Um, you can play with this number. And Andy and I and Ian do this all the time, which is you can have a very low success ratio, but if your average job size goes up, you've accomplished the same thing. You basically sell fewer jobs, but every job you sell is more. You can also raise your success ratio. If you're in the 60s or 70s, you're selling everything, it's likely that you have undersold, that your price is very low. So 50% is a good um, like conversation piece to say, well, if we're doing above that, we might be priced high, but maybe not. If we're doing below that, we might actually be doing a good thing and bringing our AJS up, average job size. But typically in a residential repaint company, you'll find average job sizes uh, around about $6,000, between six dollars and $7,000 on average for professional painting businesses. So, And they sell about 40 to 50% of those, give or take. So, All right, Julian, what's the first hire other than painters when starting a business? Yeah, so I did this in a roundabouts way where I had somewhere between 10 and 20 painters before I hired somebody else. For me, it was a clear answer, project manager, because a project manager in my company takes care of all the client communication, ordering all the paint, scheduling the crews, and following up with the job to make sure it's done right. And to me, that's two thirds of my job uh, at that time. So when I hired Holly, my first project manager, who's still with me, she's now my production manager, uh, two thirds of my week cleared up, and that was a big one. So there's a lot of people that say admin, uh, there's a lot of people that say estimator, but honestly, most of us are really good estimators. That's typically the one I see people hire out last. Admin might feel good because you may not like some of the clerical stuff, but when you grow a business, it's I would argue that those clerical things are kind of good things for you to touch to get the pulse of your company. We had a $2 million business before I had an admin because we just couldn't find anything for them to do. I mean, we just, we had simple systems that really didn't take a lot of like, uh, effort. So we didn't, I couldn't fill somebody even for 20 hours a week doing stuff, even at 2 million. After 2 million, we did find one. We actually carved off stuff from estimators, project managers, and myself, and then created that admin position. So, um, yeah. Um, Jesse, I feel like uh, a pair of custom NSPR vans would make my mental health better. So, all right, man. That's the last, okay, this will be the last one. So, I went on an Odyssey this year. I was going to do one of the coolest boss things ever, which is actually work with the company Vans, the shoe company. And they do custom shoes, right? And I was going to have my logo superimposed, like sideways, really artfully over 
an, an old school pair of Vans and it was gonna have all the company colors, cream, gold, tan. It was gonna be embroidered in the back, hashtag DHB, decent human being, NSPRC on the other shoe. And they were gonna be in everybody's sizes and I was gonna give them to them in these beautiful little white uh, Dickies tool bags. They rejected four of my designs, even after I was signing uh, all sorts of things where saying like, yes, it's my company logo, I own it, it's a trademark, I, I give permission to reprint them in the end. It took them weeks and weeks and weeks between every rejection to the point where all of a sudden I couldn't even get custom shoes uh, for my company. I ordered one pair of custom shoes finally just to see if I could get one in time uh, for Christmas and the company Christmas party that didn't have a logo. It just had our company colors. I still haven't gotten it yet and no word on when it's coming. So if I want to do this next year, you have to start eight months earlier. Uh, in the future, what I will likely do is just find uh, somebody, I'll buy a hundred pair of Chuck Taylors and I'll find an embroiderer to just custom embroider my logo on them or something if we're gonna do this. But that was super disappointing because Jesse, I shared a picture of what my, I, I had a rendering done of them from the company Vans. And it was just like, again, Vans, love your shoes. You're hell to work with. Like it was a very painful process, never talked to the same person, couldn't get a hold of anybody, calls, emails, texts through the website. It was all just kind of like you'd wait weeks to hear from anybody. So again, coming from somebody who takes the client experience very particularly, um, I probably would have done this differently. Um, I'm assuming they don't typically sh sell 40 pairs of shoes at the time. If somebody came to my company and said, hey, by the way, um, you know, uh, I have, 13 homeowners that all want the cabinets done in their house, I would assign them a private client concierge to basically see them through the process like that. I would say, if you're gonna give us that much work and it's gonna be on our terms, this is gonna be great. We'll assign a human to your project. Here's their personal phone number and you can contact them anytime and we're gonna concierge you through this thing. Uh, that did not happen with me. And I understand, I'm not asking for preferential treatment, but it was very difficult to work with and it makes you think about your own business a lot too. So, all right, everybody, that's gonna be it for tonight. I'm gonna slowly shut down these feeds here. Uh, da, 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 da. We're gonna end the TikTok feed. We're gonna end the Instagram feed. And now, <laughs> all right, just making sure we shut it down the right way. There's a whole bunch of stuff that we have to do here with this. Okay, I think we're good as far as those things go. <coughs> I wanna thank you guys for watching. Um, this is the last full week of work that my business is gonna do for the year. It culminates with a charity project. We're gonna have like seven or 10 other painting companies from Minnesota together this Thursday. Then we're off Friday and then I'm off and we gave our entire company off the, the following week after that. And then we start all up, we wipe the slate clean and uh, we start all over for the next year. So it's gonna be an absolute blast everybody. And the one thing uh, you, I want you to look forward to is the series of Master the Basics, Ask a Painter Lives right after the first of the year. You guys know exactly what happens, which is I go through my steps to professionalization. I start at one with proven processes and SOPs, and we basically go through and say, here's everything you need to know to professionalize your business. I'm gonna do a single show on every one. I'm gonna share all my resources from it, and we are going to be working on our businesses after the first of the year, and it is going to be awesome. So Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy New Year. It's likely I'll bump in during the holiday week off we'll probably be ice fishing but other than that i really appreciate you guys kindest thing you can do is share this show do that for me and have a good rest of a sunday night paint ed podcasts are produced by the painting contractors association and are made possible by members and industry partners 
find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPaintEd.org.